0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And no one would argue that people are perfect. We're all imperfect and that means we've been hurt by imperfect people. The Bible offers a clear, compelling vision and effective solution for how imperfect people like you and me can maintain peaceful relationships in an imperfect world. Today's message is called Learning to Forgive, and Pastor Shauna's wrapping up this series called The Letter. It's time for Real Life Radio.
2: Matthew 18, I'm going to pick up at verse 21. We read that Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, we have to understand something. Peter's asking for clarification because of a conversation they just had a few verses earlier in Matthew 18. You remember the, what the conversation is. It says, if a brother sins against you, you're supposed to go to the brother. You're not supposed to gossip about him. are not supposed to ditch them, cut them loose. They sin against you, which is going to happen because we live in a world with sinful people. We live in a fellowship with imperfect people. It is what it is. It's going to happen. So in Matthew 18, we're supposed to go to them and appeal to them, sh- show them what's happened, and seek restoration. And it says if, if your brother repents, you've won your brother. If they won't repent, I don't care what I did to you. Nah, you're whacked. You go to them with two or three others, a small group. Still, you're protecting your brother, but you're honest, honestly and openly confronting sin. But you're keeping it private. It says if, you, if he repents, you've won your brother. Excellent. It's teaching us how to deal with offense in the body of Christ. If it won't repent then, and still there's this hurt, there's this offense, it says then take it to the church, which really is talking about church leadership, not every person in the church. But take it to church leadership. And let church leadership, whether that be your small group leader, whether that be one of the pastors, because it's it's something that's existing in the body, and it's going to bring division, it's going to bring hurt. And that's how you handle offense. So that they won't turn... And repent then, treat him as an unbeliever. In other words, okay, well, we're not operating by the same set of rules here. We're not, and your fellowship with them is different now. But the whole idea all the time is to win your brother, to restore the relationship. And that's what Peter's asking qualification, clarification about. So he's, how many times should I actually forgive? Because he's been living with these guys for three years. He's like, dude, you know, I've already forgiven Philip like eight times. You have to understand, when Peter comes and he says, how many should I forgive seven times? He's being generous. Because the consensus in the rabbinical writings in the Talmud is like three times. That was kind of the sense of, yeah, you've you got to go back and forgive. you got to go back and forgive. But their consensus was kind of three times. Peter, knowing Jesus is really gracious and trying to kind of position himself here, says, how many times should I forgive Jesus? He doesn't say three times like the rabbis say. No, he says seven times because I'm so generous and gregarious. Seven times, and Jesus looks at him. Yeah, how about 77 times, Peter? And understand, Jesus isn't just given a new number here. He's blowing Peter out of the water. And he had to stun Peter with his reply because this is not light. He's talking about real relationships. Some translations have that as 70 times seven, but the m- most likely translation is probably 77 times. Either way, Jesus' point is dramatic. And what he's saying to Peter is, Peter, we dare not keep track of the number of times we grant forgiveness. That's what he's really saying. He's not saying, no, you just need a bigger notebook because you're going to be keeping score for a little longer. He's saying, Peter, we can't keep track of the times we forgive. He says, if you're counting, all you're really doing is working your way towards legal unforgiveness. You're just looking for when it's legal for you to be unforgiving, which is what's really in your heart anyway. Because if you're counting, if you're keeping score, you're just looking for the point. Okay, Jesus, when am I okay? Uh, Because I want to blast them. Is it okay now? Oh, no, okay now. So now, Jesus says you're missing the whole point. And he illustrates it with a story, a story we're familiar with. Kind of an offensive, shocking story, actually. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That is a ridiculous number that Jesus threw out. Okay, 10,000. Imagine right now, 10,000 bags of gold. What's that worth? Billions? It's a fortune. A man who owed him a fortune was brought before him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back Everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and let him go. He didn't just give him the time he needed. He didn't just give him more time, because it was a ridiculous debt that could never be paid. He canceled the debt and he let him go. Now the story turns, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins. It wasn't completely insignificant, but it was a much more normal person-to-person kind of debt. He owed him a 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Jesus inserts the exact same words that this servant had said just moments before. Be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, which of course is ridiculous. How's he going to pay the debt? He's not working. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged. Now, we read this story, and the thing that stands out to us and the thing we focus on is the injustice here, right? We identify with the other servants who the Scripture says were outraged. How could he do this? And and we get indignant. How clueless was this guy? But that's not Jesus' primary focus. Remember, he's answering Peter's question. We can't forget Peter's question. He's answering the question regarding the limits of forgiveness, So he's answering Peter fundamentally with a question. In other words, how could a person who's been forgiven so much be so unaffected? How could he not be different because of that experience? How's that even possible? He says, if you're counting, to Peter, you're as clueless as the unforgiving servant. If you're counting that hundred pieces of silver, you're missing the whole point. Now, of course, this story brings up a little bit of a theology problem for us. When Jesus says, this is how my Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart, uh, the theology problem is, is like, well, well, does that mean we're earning the forgiveness we get? I thought it was pure grace. What, what does that mean? In Matthew 6, remember at the end of the Lord's Prayer, beginning of verse 12 through 15, Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into t- temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he says this, verse 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So are we somehow earning our, so, our forgiveness? Is this a quid pro quo kind of thing? I want to say no, not at all. It's by grace we're saved, through faith, not of works. We are in no way kind of buying our own forgiveness by being forgiving. No, what Jesus is trying to say is forgiveness should change you. Forgiveness should change you. And if it hasn't, maybe you've never received forgiveness. Maybe you said a prayer, maybe whatever. But maybe you've been stiff-arming the forgiveness that he offers. Because how can someone who's been forgiven so much not have a propensity towards forgiving others? How can that not change you and affect you? Our unforgiveness actually says more about our heart than about the person we're not forgiving. Jesus is saying, be careful. Because you could be someone who isn't even receiving forgiveness. I want to suggest three powerful keys to walking in the freedom of forgiveness that these passages give us. The first is pretty obvious after what we just read. Remember how much you've been forgiven. Remember how much you've been forgiven. Romans three twenty three and 24 says, in case any of us are in doubt, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in, except pastors. They have not, so everybody else is. That's, okay, no, that's, that's a different translation. I'm sorry, let me get this. All have sinned. I mean, there's no exceptions. Nobody. I don't care what you do. I don't care how nice you are. I don't care. The nicest person you know, just go, they're so nice. You know, there are some people who are just that nice. Nice people are sinners too. That's what the scripture says. And it's fundamentally true. We need to understand that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are, and and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, we tend to take stock of how much we've been offended or wrong. We have lists, but they're lists of offense. What if we made the list instead of how much we've been forgiven? What if that was the list? What if instead of the list that I have of the people who've offended me and what they did wrong, what they should have done, and how God's going to get them, and blah, 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 what if I had a different list, and it was how much God forgave me of, and boy, my heart was impure here, and boy, I was selfish by my nature here, Boy, I'd sure like to look out for number one here. And he forgave me all that because of the cross of Jesus Christ. He's not just an absent-minded old man who forgot about it. And, oh, well, never mind, you go on, you, you know. That's not God. No, he's completely just. He was fully aware of how sinful I was. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for my sin, the death penalty that my sin incurred your sin incurred and jesus paid that penalty and god said it is finished justice has been served your penalty has been paid and he took our sins and threw it in the sea of forgetfulness you need to stop and reflect on how fully forgiven you are if you have a problem with forgiveness one of the root causes could be you don't understand how forgiven you are yeah but you don't know what i've done sean and you know, and, and it's, it's like you keep bringing it up to God. Yeah, you've prayed for forgiveness, but you keep bringing up the sin to God. And he's like going, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. And you're like, but you're omniscient. I know, I know what you're talking about. But the scripture says, I threw it in the sea of forgetfulness. And I did. I see it no more. When I look at you, I see my son Jesus, his death on the cross, and your penalty paid. So let's quit talking about that. Let's start walking in freedom. Let's start walking in the newness of life. That's what forgiveness
1: is. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church. This series is called The Letter, and if you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermons page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to come check out River City Community Church, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City
1: Community Church. And back to the message, Learning to Forgive. This is Real Life Radio.
2: So many times when I'm unforgiving towards other people, because it's because I have this justice thing, because I fundamentally still think I've got to earn it. I don't understand how fully forgiven I've been. And what that means is I'm not free. To the degree that I don't understand, I haven't received that forgiveness, I'm not free. Do you realize how fully forgiven you are? Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Jesus. That's the truth. That's just the flat-out truth. And let me tell you something. When you understand that, you will instantly become a more forgiving person. Not that you're never going to struggle with unforgiveness. Not that hurts won't be there, that you got to wrestle with. But I'm saying you will, you will instantly say, wait a minute, but I've been forgiven so much. It, when you receive When you understand how fully you've been given grace and when you receive that grace, it's amazing how much easier it is to give grace. Because you've been set free. You've been set free. The secret to forgiveness is dealing with the debt. Dealing with the debt. Second, and I really want you to pause, because this for me is kind of the fulcrum of the whole message. This is, this is the thing that God used in my life to absolutely set me free. Know where to get paid. You've got to remember how much you've been forgiven from, but you also need to know where to get paid. secret to forgiveness is dealing with the debt. The secret to dealing with the debt is know where to get paid. And Paul's offer to Philemon to repay Whatever debt Onesimus owed is a clue to the transformative power of the gospel. Know where to get paid. God used this little book, this little letter, Philemon, to completely change my life. I had some serious unforgiveness towards my dad. And I carried that all through high school and college and college. Even I became a youth pastor, and I was loving Jesus. And I had formally, I'd done the, I'd formally forgiven a number of times, many times. And so in formality, I guess, there was forgiveness. But every time something would happen, it would all come back up. Every time something would be said, all come back up. Well, you should have done this for me. You shouldn't have done this. This is what a good father does. I mean, I, I'd been, my mother took us to church. I became a Christian when I was eight years old. So I grew up in church and I grew up in some great churches and I got to see some great families. I got to see some examples of great fathers and how they treated their kids and how they supported their kids, how they disciplined their kids, all that stuff. And, and there was this, this kind of comparison. You should have done it like this, but you didn't. And because of it, I lost this, I lost this, I lost this. I had this huge, I had said, I forgive you, but there was this debt that I was owed in my mind, in my thinking. And it's interesting. I read Philemon, and as I read those words, if he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I felt like the Lord nudged me and says, I want you to do that. The translation I was reading at the time, a different translation, I think it was New American Standard, says, charge it to my account, I will repay it. And my heart was instantly broken. I'm like, God, you don't have an account. I I owe you, God. You don't owe me. You can't owe me anything, God. You can't have an account. You're God. I have an account with you, God. You don't have any account with me. You're, 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 You're God. You provide everything. And I felt like the Holy Spirit nudged me and said, no, I'm serious. You have this... List the things that a father should have done for you and given you. And I want to say to you on a number of fronts there, you're right. But I want you to know I can repay that for you. I can actually do that for you. I can provide for you. I can I can support you. I can encourage you. I can build you. I can do all that. And And understand, your dad's a sinful guy just like you. Just like you. He needs forgiveness just like you do. Let him go and I really will repay anything you thought you've lost, anything you thought you should have had, any opportunities you think you missed, anything you think was lost, I will, I'm going to provide that for you and more. I will repay. Charge it to me. And something broke in my spirit, and I did it. Now, I'm not saying I never got ticked at my dad and he'd say something or whatever, whatever, but our relationship changed almost instantly. Because it opened me to the fact that wait a minute he's a guy just like me, I'm, I need forgiveness. I'm, I've done stupid things to hurt people, and I need forgiveness. Something about something about the debt now, the debt being that sense of justice, that sense of right and wrong, that sense of you know irrevocably lost was gone when I trusted the Lord and said, Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that to you. Then it allowed me to set him free, change my life, and as I said, my dad. Did ultimately confess faith in Christ. And it did change how we relate to one another. Powerful, powerful understanding. That's a faith issue. Romans twelve, seventeen through nineteen. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far it depends on you. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Um, we Sicilians at first hated that verse. Okay. But then we loved it. As we became Christians, well, at least God's going to get vengeance for us. You know. Somebody's going to get revenge, because somebody's got to get revenge, right? Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemies hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I had one problem with that whole vengeance is mine. I will repay. Um, Because on one level, God doesn't repay. God doesn't repay. In fact, if they repent, he forgives them. What is that? I feel like Jonah with Nineveh. Remember Jonah got all resentful? It's Like they don't deserve repentance. They don't deserve you to bless them with repentance, God, and all the good fruit that's going to come. They deserve, you know, brimstone, fire, bring it down. There really is. There's some warped weird part of me that uh, vengeance mine. I will repay. No, you won't, God, because, you you know, you forgive. That's what you do. You're going to forgive them. Now, understand, it, there is a very serious spiritual truth here that you do reap what you sow. You do reap what you sow. But do you understand the law of the harvest, you reap what you sow, is always designed by God to bring us to him and to repentance so that he can bless us. He wants us all to reap Good things from good seed sown. That I will repay part. I want to suggest there's kind of a double, because I really do believe those who have hurt, those who have wounded us, there is a sense, the law of the harvest, they, we do reap what we sow. We've sown wounds, we will reap bad fruit from that. That's just the way it works. But understand, God wants them to come to repentance. He wants them to begin to bear good fruit. I think that I will repay is as much for us as for them. What if God is saying, vengeance is mine, I will repay. I will take care of them, but I'll also take care of you. I really will meet your needs. That thing that you think they owe you, that thing you think is lost forever, God says, nothing is lost forever in my economy because I'm God. Do you realize how much of a faith step forgiveness is? Do you trust God enough to repay what you think you're owed, to repay what you think, the good things that you think were lost? And God says, they're not lost. He says, I'm the author of all good things. What do you need? I want to provide it for you and more. And in that, I can release the debt. Because I know where my provision is. I know where my pay comes from, if you will. It comes from my Father in heaven who loves me and has promised to meet every need, promised to care for me. And so I can let them go. I can release them. At core, forgiveness is a faith issue. Do you trust God enough to forgive? Because the secret to forgiveness is dealing with the debt. Last thing, and I'll wrap with this, set them free. That's what Paul said to Onesimus. He's wanting him to set, or Paul said to Philemon, he wants him to set Onesimus free. Not just from his slavery, but he wants to set him free from the debt. There was a legitimate offense. Many scholars think Onesimus ran away, stole from Philemon, lied to Philemon, ends up coming to Paul, becomes a follower of Jesus, and Paul says, you need to go back and fix that relationship. Are you kidding me? But he sends him with this letter. And he says to Philemon, set him free. And I want to say to us, The last step is to literally set them free. When you can put that person who sinned against you, who hurt you, when you can put them in that category and say, they are a broken sinner who screwed up. Just like I'm a broken sinner who screwed up. And Jesus saved and forgave and restored me. I want that for them. Set them free. Let go of the hurt, let go of the anger. How about let go of the, st- the other baggage? Sometimes our unforgiveness is because we've accepted baggage. Maybe it's from a parent or from someone who was influential in your, your life, and there's old labels, things that, that they, they said about you that you carry along and you're resentful and you're angry. How about let those labels go? You're not who they say you are, you're who God says you are. How about you walk in that? How about you really let God build into your life everything he created for you? be the father he wanted you to be. Imagine if we really got this forgiveness thing right. We walk in grace the way the body of Christ is supposed to. Do you realize when we talk to people about our Savior and about just the gospel and about knowing his love, they would totally get it because they've seen grace in action in us. We're supposed to be people of grace, and God wants to provide. He wants to restore. He wants to heal every hurt. He wants to Provide for us everything that we think we are owed or we think we lost because of someone's wounds to us. God says, they can't stop what I want to do in you. They can't control the destiny that I have for you. He says, I've given you grace. Walk in the freedom of it. Grace is amazing.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in a series called The Letter, But if you'd like to hear the full message and the series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road. See all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.